0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK. And I'm Sam. And we are back with part two of the Westfield, New Jersey episode. Today we are going to be talking about a very, very heavy case. Um, We're going to be talking about John List and the murder of the List family. And it's a very heavy, very rough story. That's an understatement. So before we get into it, we just want to start off on a lighter note. Yeah. The air is getting chillier. The leaves are starting to turn. They're starting to crunch. They're starting to crunch under the feet. And this is personally my favorite season. Is it yours? I love when it starts to go from like late summer, early fall. Yes. Yes. Ideal. This is the best time of the year. So we just wanted to talk about fall for a second. And Mary-Kate, what is your favorite Part of fall. I don't know. It used to be loaded question. I know. I know. Well, I always used to kind. When I was a kid, I used to dread fall because I didn't want to go back to school. Okay, fair. But now it's just. I mean, not to be super, super basic, but I love fall outfits. Yes, yeah, the, I'm the fashion. I'm so excited it's for so some much, plaid to come back in. It's so much easier to be stylish in the fall than in any other season. I, I absolutely like, agree. My outfits pop off the most in the fall. I the black agree booties. With you. The oh, the black boots. I know the plaid. Oh, the plaid. The, the scarves. jackets. Shackets. I yeah, love shackets. I'm gonna do some I went home this weekend and I got a bunch of my fall clothes, but I gave a lot of them away to Goodwill last year. So I'm gonna use that to justify getting a bunch new of ones. new clothes. Yes, <laughs> I'm in. Let's let's do a mall trip soon. Okay, let's do it. Another one of my favorite things about fall is I love getting like a group together and watching horror movies. Yes. Like if you couldn't tell from our podcast. We should do. We should okay in our next episode. Like in the beginning, you should give some horror movie recs. Well, I just watched one,
1: and I know I kind
0: of shouted this out on on our Instagram a while back when we did like the this or that story, which is still under highlights. So if you haven't done it yet, you can still do it. But my one of my favorite horror movies is Host. Okay, and I have not seen yet. It is so good. We'll watch it together. It's it came out in twenty twenty. Okay. So it's like a pandemic horror movie and it's about this group of friends that tries to do a seance over Zoom. Oh, right. You did tell me about this. And it is crazy scary. But the oh, interesting okay. thing about it is that it's like you're on a, on the Zoom okay. call with them. So you can see everyone, like they're doing different face filters and backgrounds. Okay, and It's like you're on a Zoom with so them. It was like all filmed on Zoom. That's like- and it's like 59 minutes, which is the exact time that the Zoom free call, that's Ends. how long it can be. It's like 59 minutes. That's genius. It is. Unless they just did it because really, they don't really pay for the full. No, nah, it's really <laughs> well directed and like scary as hell. And what's it called? Host. Okay, we'll have to watch it. I want to watch it if you don't mind watching it again. Oh my God, I'd love to. Okay, good. What about you? What are your favorite fall activities? Well, my favorite, my absolute favorite part of fall, besides Halloween, of course, is yeah. the... Food and beverage options. I love when it gets chilly out and you can make things that are cozy-tasting and you can bake a lot. And I love, speaking of basic, I was just about to yeah, ask you. I, listen, <laughs> pumpkin spice the flavor of pumpkin spice, like, I don't care if it's basic. I think it is so delicious. It is so good. It's so good. And it's like, I don't care if anybody makes fun of me. I love pumpkin spice. Well, speaking of pumpkin spice, we both have our, like, fall-flavored tea right now. Yes. We have our fall-flavored candle burning. We've got two fall-flavored candles burning, actually. Oh my gosh, yes. So, my friend came to visit us this past weekend, and she brought us, like, this mystic candle, which I just have to say is, like, the Perfect vibe. It's like sage. for our podcast yeah. and for going into this fall season. So we and that one going and our vanilla chai, which I got from Michaels for like four bucks, and, and it, it just smells, smells so good. But have you had any good pumpkin spice drinks lately? I've actually only had one. I've had three pumpkin spice drinks so far this fall. Okay, give me the rundown. The first one I had was the nutty pumpkin coffee from. Duncan, That was my bad. I should have known when I heard the name (laughs) Nutty Pumpkin that it was going to be disgusting. I just didn't like it. It was so sweet. It tasted like a candle. And I'm also just not a hazelnut girl, so I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. Uh, Number two, I had the pumpkin cream cold brew from Starbucks. A classic. It was delicious. Always going to be good. Number three, this weekend I ordered an iced pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. But I was like, I'm going to get oat milk in it and be healthy. Whatever. I love oat milk. It is. And it was $8. $8? For a grande. For a grande. For a grande? Yes. I was like, literally, what is going on? It was horrible. It tasted like grass. I don't know what was up with the oat milk. I usually love oat milk, but it was disgusting. Okay. I'm good. See, the worst one that I have ever had is Wawa. Oh, really? It's so... It tastes like soap. Okay. Um, Oh, gross. I love Dunkin' And I know that everyone comes after Duncan for being like a little bit hit or miss. Inconsistent. It is inconsistent. The Duncan by our apartment is good. Is delicious. Okay. I have never had a miss there. The only miss I've had is the nutty pumpkin coffee. Maybe it's just. In the I think it's nutty pumpkin. It's not the Duncan itself. Uh, but I'm I I used to be a Starbucks girl. I think I'm transitioning to a Duncan girl. Yeah, it's like, really, Starbucks is too expensive. Really Starbucks is too, too expensive. expensive. And I love Duncan if it's good. If you know what to order, Dunkin' is great. I agree. So, I'm just gonna have to stick to Dunkin', I think. Okay. And get an iced latte. Their iced lattes are always better. They're always good. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm really excited. I'm sure we'll have many more seasonal lattes um, by the next time we are on the podcast again, so we'll update you Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. <laughs> and before we get into the really heavy stuff, when we get a little bit deeper into fall, another one of my favorite parts of fall is Haunted Houses, Oh. So we're gonna have to do... We're gonna have to, like, couple that in with, like, an apple-picking, pumpkin-picking yes, day. Yes, absolutely. And do a haunted house. Eastern State Penitentiary is right in Philly. Uh,
1: we have to. We're gonna... We have we're to. We're gonna have
0: to. I, mean. I, I wanna do one, I wanna do another one besides that. Like, you know how they have, like, Field of Screams and stuff? Like, yes. I also wanna do that. I did one... I have to remember the name of it, but they... Like, Jason's Woods. <laughs> I always see ads for Jason's I did, Woods. I just saw that like, on my way... Jason? On my drive home today. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, Jason. Jason's woods. I Jason's get Jason. Jason's rule. <laughs> he pops out of the trees. <laughs> <laughs> that, like wasn't. Um, no, but I I did one last fall okay. with um, my boyfriend and two of our friends. Okay. And it was really fun. They did like it was it was not a house, but it was like a haunted woods walk. Ooh. And they had plenty of chainsaws, which I that's the stuff that gets me. Yes. Like so scary and we did halloween yeah. horror nights actually i know that. i'm so jealous it looks so fun um my boyfriend zach and i did that last like right oh. before halloween halloween yeah and oh, so fun it was incredible they had haunting of hill house house oh, that's that so was so, scary. so fun house house <laughs> house, house um and then they had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, which scared... I was going to say... it is. Actually, they scared me out of the house. Like, I ran out of the house. Wow. And I feel like it takes a lot to get you scared. So that's it's, I jump scare easily, but, okay. like, I don't scare easily. Okay. Dude, does that, that makes make sense? sense? Yes. You're but jumpy. Anyway, fall. Fall is in... Full swing full around here. Swing now. At least in our apartment it is. Absolutely it is. But now to... Enough stalling. Bring you guys all the way down... We're gonna start with the John List case, and Sam, do you want to take it away? Yes, I will take it away. Westfield—it's definitely known, like we were saying in the first episode, for being, you know, an affluent area. Yeah. Um, really beautiful, nice houses, beautiful old neighborhoods. city charm. Um, but besides the Watcher House, Westfield, New Jersey, is actually, unfortunately, best known for the murders of the List family back in 1971. Which is what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. So, let's just get started. There's a lot to go over. Okay. I'm going to start by telling you about John List. He is the main man of our story. He is the antagonist. He was a mild-mannered Sunday school teacher. He was a devout Christian. And he murdered his wife, his three children, and his mother, seemingly out of nowhere. Wow, good guy. Yeah, so... There's definitely this juxtaposition, if you will, of like Ooh, big every, word there. I know, I know. SAT words. He say like people are saying, oh, he was this devout Christian, but and he was a Sunday school teacher and he was an accountant. He seemed like this innocent guy, and then he committed, what's it called, a familicide? What? Oh, uh, he's like, <laughs> um, he's a family, he family annihilator. Them. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. and it was shocking. It's it's still something that kind of hangs over Westfield. Yeah Um, that they've never really quite been able to get out of it, like looms over the minds of everyone that lives there. So the List family murders have haunted the people of Westfield for decades now. It's been over 50 years. Wow. Yeah. And throughout the years, John List has definitely turned into like a sort of boogeyman. Um, I think you can speak to that. Yes. So I first heard about this case in the same way that I found out about the Jersey Devil, and that was the weird New Jersey book that my dad got me for Christmas. If you haven't listened to our episode on the Pine Barrens, it's our second episode, and you should go check that out, but yes, I read about this, and I was so scared that he was going to come from my family. It's just, it's weird. Like our listener said in the last episode, the place where the house used to be, where this- where these murders happened, everyone gets a weird feeling when you drive by them. Yeah. And I know exactly where this house is; like I've driven past it a million times. It's it's just funny how Westfield has like they're like oh it's so nice nothing bad ever happens here. A plus safety ratings. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like these two huge creepy cases. So I'm like it's Horrific obviously not that. Cases. safe. Yeah. It's just. But then again, this was years ago. This was years ago, but it seems to me like Westfield might be a little bit cursed. Yes. And you could call it an East Coast haunt, even. Oh, I think I would be so daring. So let's get into it. Before I go into any details, I just want to quickly shout out this podcast that I came across while I was researching. It was called Father Wants Us Dead. And it's by Jessica Remo and Rebecca Everett for The Star Ledger and NJ.com. It actually came out a couple months ago. Oh, wow. It is one of the best true crime podcasts I've ever heard. Like, seriously. Okay, I'll definitely they have to take it. dive deep into this. So, I mean, of course, we're going to go over it today in, in, like, however many minutes. But they have, like, I think, like, nine episodes that died. Holy die- cow. It's so good. So if anybody wants to learn more about this case, definitely go listen to Father Once Us Dead. That's going to be this week's listen for me. Yeah. For sure. It's so good. I can't wait. All right. So let's get into it. I'm going to start with John List's background. So, like I said in the introduction, plenty of people were shocked at this crime that was committed by List. This is because, to the general public, List presented himself in a very certain way. We're not going to get into the warning signs of his behavior just yet. Right now, I just want to go through his personal history. Okay. Okay. So, John was born September 17th, 1925. Oh, his birthday's coming up. Birthday boy's coming up. Wait, so what does that make him? Uh, astrological sign-wise. That's a really good cut. Hold on. Alright, so he's a Virgo. Oh, typical Virgo. I don't know. Behavior. I was gonna say I don't know anything about like any, like about what Virgos I are. I think Virgos are um family annihilators. <laughs> not all Virgos. Vir- your Hashtag not all Virgos. <laughs> so either way, he was born back in nineteen twenty five. Like I said, he was known as a devout Christian and a Sunday school teacher, which everywhere says he's like this devout Christian, which Obviously, he wasn't too devout if he was murdering his family. That's... But you know what's a weird parallel here? Yeah. Both him and Lizzie Borden were Sunday school teachers. And devout to their religion. See, that's... Yeah, that, that is weird. It's like people it's use, weird People use religion as a way to... Yeah, justify absolutely things. We'll see. This is not the first time that that's ever been done. And it will not be the last. No. So, John enlisted in the army as a laboratory technician in World War II... Ooh, I wonder what, what, is, what does a laboratory technician do? You're asking the wrong girl. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in the comments below. What do you think the laboratory <laughs> technician does? But shortly after, so then he, you know, the war ended and such. Then he got his bachelor's degree in business administration. And shortly after that, he got his master's degree in accounting. So he was a very smart guy, super smart, great with numbers, very well educated. Yeah. So, the Korean War hits in 1950, and John List goes back into the army, and he's stationed in the exotic land of Virginia. Oh. Uh, And in Virginia, he meets Helen Morris Taylor. They hit it off, and they get married pretty quickly in December 1951, but then again, these are the 50s, and people would get married, like, two weeks after. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Getting to know each other. Could you imagine... What's like the minimum amount of time that you would date someone before considering marrying them? What time if I lived in this time period? Yeah That's a uh, I'm gonna say I'm two gonna, years. Yeah, I'm gonna say two years but also I feel like it depends on how young you meet, right? Yeah, I guess so because if like, you're dating for two years so at much. like 20.
1: Yeah, versus like like, like
0: twenty seven. Exactly. Yeah, it's like you haven't your frontal lobe hasn't fully developed (laughs) yet. Frontal cortex. (laughs) Frontal lobe. What is frontal lobe then? I actually have no idea. But it's something. I'm like, either way, like you're not fully developed until late. Yeah. Anyway, that was until what twenty five. Yeah. So they get married in December nineteen fifty one, pretty fast. And also, just a side note: Helen was married before she met John List she um wait like when she met John List no so she was a widow her husband died in the Korean War and she had a daughter from that previous marriage named Brenda who really doesn't isn't really in this story that much okay um because she was obviously older than the rest of the kids gotcha so so Helen Brenda and John pack up and they move to California after completing his time in the army again he gets a job for a paper company in Michigan so they move out to Michigan it's giving dunder Mifflin yes right yeah paper company <laughs> i actually just rewatched i think it's like i don't know one of the very first episodes the first season is like so cringeworthy it's so painful but in to a watch. good way like it draws you in but i remember when my mom recommended the office to me she was like you just have to you have to power through like the first season, yeah, because no one thinks season. it's it's. But then it gets so funny. It gets so good. Oh, it's so good. I was watch, I was watching The Office the other day too for the first time in like years. It's on Peacock, which is nice because they took it off Netflix. But like, who has Peacock? I or, don't know. Do you have Peacock? No, but okay. my boyfriend does. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I was like, we don't have that on our TV. So he's working for a paper company in Michigan, and they decide this is the perfect time to start a family. So. John and Helen have three kids. The three kids are Patricia, John Jr., and Fred. So they have their three kids. They're living in Michigan. And eventually, Brenda, who is, remember, um, Helen's daughter from a previous marriage, Mm -hmm. she gets married and she leaves the household in 1960. Okay. So the rest of the family moves, they're a family of five now, they move to Rochester, New York, where John lands a fancy job at Xerox, which I... Ooh, think, yeah. Don't they don't think they make test scanning things or something? Yeah, Xerox is like the copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. copier, yeah. yeah. So it's a great job. Um, and then he, five years later, gets another job with a bank in Jersey City. And this is when they move to Westfield, New Jersey. Ooh. And this is where everything starts to crumble. God. So just a quick note, List's mother, Alma, also moves in with them. They move into this huge house, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but Mm -hmm. a huge house, and List's mother kind of like lives in the top, almost like an in-law suite or something. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so she lives with them. Okay, gotcha. So before we get into the specifics of Westfield and we really get into the nitty gritty of it, I want to talk about the murder victims because they're very important to highlight. It's not just about John List, you know? Right, yeah. So like I said, Alma is John List's mother. She was... 84 or 85 at the time of her death. I know, which is so sad. Like, imagine living 84 years... Just to be taken out by your own son? Yeah. Are you kidding me? So, she was actually described as friendly. She was described as, like, if anyone in the family was outgoing and friendly, it was Alma. Aww. She would bake for the church. She loved talking about her grandkids. And, like I said, she lived in a flat above the house. No, this makes me so sad. I know. It's really sad. So, she seemed to be a very sweet lady. Uh... We're going to talk about Helen next. Helen is the wife, the wife of John List. And we'll get more into her later. But what I'll tell you for right now is she was bedridden. She was very sickly. Oh, really? But she was friendly. When people did see her, she was always friendly, very nice. No one ever had anything bad to say about her. But people just didn't really see her because she was in bed all the time. There, it, It's going to come back. It's okay. super. In- no, it's super interesting. Like I had no idea about this before huh. I was reading it. So, then the three children were Patricia, who, at the time of her death, was she was 16. Ooh. She was the oldest child. She was the oldest? Yeah, she at was 16? the oldest. I know, which is, like, so disturbing, right? Ooh. So, she loved acting. This part makes me sad. Aww. In her community theater. Ooh. I know. Do you identify with her? Yes! I feel so sad for her. She was just a little 16-year-old. She yes, yeah, she loved doing oh plays. God. Most people described her as, like, the quintessential flower child. You know, it's, like the 60s had like she grew up in the 60s so like she's did she's like a hippie so she was she was musical she played a couple instruments um she was super kind and a lot of people say she was like a little bit naive oh um which i mean most 16 year olds oh my god you're a child at 16 and she apparently was a tiny bit rebellious but nothing nothing out of the ordinary just like regular teenage stuff like just just a little rebellious um, I wonder and what she, she did that got her that reputation. So, I heard slash read in a couple different places that she, like, d- dabbled in witchcraft. Okay. Which, like, you know, I honestly think nowadays, like, so many people like do it. Like No, yeah. Witchcraft things. is totally valid. So many people are into it these days. But this is the 70s, and this is with a very strict father. Oh, yeah. oh and a very religious father. Yes. So, I mean it did not fly with him. Yeah. But it, it's not really even confirmed anywhere if she actually like like what exactly she did, but apparently she was interested in it. She was probably like she's exploring into her like Wicca and maybe like looked into a couple of spells. Yeah, that's exactly. like probably what it was. Back exactly. Exactly. So um and she also I know I said that Alma was like the most uh outgoing of all of them, but out of the three kids, Patricia was definitely the most outgoing. Oh, but like that's Patricia. honestly because the other two this is gonna make you even sadder John Jr. was 15 and Fred oh was god. 13 when they died oh my god and they yeah. were both shy and they were a little bit nerdy Aww. and they were just regular kids the, in the podcast Father Once Was Dead there was um, one of like their friends was talking or one of their neighbors or someone was talking about them and saying how like they were the type that would like always be picked last like for the like the oh. soft like the baseball team just because they were like dorky and quiet which no. made me so sad I know So that, like, broke my heart. It's so sad. Like, they were, like, literal children. Babies, yeah. Yeah. Which makes everything, like, when you actually hear the specifics of the victims, it's, like, getting killed by the person that is, like, supposed to be protecting them. I was just about to say that's the most horrific part about this entire case. Like, it would have obviously been tragic if it had been an outsider that had done this to them. Growing up with your father and knowing that he's the person that's supposed to protect you and love you without... Fail. unconditionally yeah. yeah unconditionally that's i i can't even imagine yeah if this is like a rough this one isn't even like spooky it's just like rough like it's just oh so anyway we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about Westfield so now they all live in Westfield right mm-hmm. the five immediate family members and the grandmother gotcha so they move into a mansion like a man, like it has nineteen rooms. Holy! It has a ballroom. It's huge. They call oh it Oh my god, Breeze Knoll, which I thought it was when I was listening to the podcast. I thought it was B R I E, like Bree, like her <laughs> Knoll, but it's Bree's, Bree's. Breeze B R E E Z E. So I was like, okay, so they move it, but I have it written here literally as like Bree, like the cheese. <laughs> so, um, I guess we know where my head's at. Uh, <laughs> Bree so, is so good though. I know Bree is good. I also love that as a name. Yeah, me so too. I'm going to try not to let it ruin that name for me. So they move into Bree's Knoll, um, a beautiful mansion in a beautiful neighborhood. And like I was kind of alluding to before, if you lived in Westfield back then, or if you live there now, you've made it. You're doing all yeah. right for yourself. You're living the American dream. Yeah. So everyone there, pretty much everyone there was very wealthy. It was a very picturesque area mm-hmm. and it was very safe. We're in the suburbs, it's super safe, there's no crime here, you know? Right, yeah. So, things seem to be going super well from the outside, like, it was a happy family, John List had a great job, he had a gorgeous mansion, but as life goes on, the cracks are starting to form in this facade, and for those who interacted with him, or even, like, knew him really at all, like, his co-workers or his neighbors, they described John List as aloof, they said he had little to no friends. And he lacked social skills. What is aloof? Aloof is like the opposite of friendly. Like sort oh, of like, so like just kind of in their own little world. Yes. And also okay. like a little bit um like maybe like he thinks he's better than other people, like aloof, like just not friendly, not wanting to interact with people because he's like a than little everyone. bit snooty. Yes, okay. exactly. Interesting. That's what I think that hopefully no one's gonna be like, that's not the definition, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's how I see it. So these cracks start to form, and this leads us to the shocking crime that put Westfield on the map for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. So we're going to get into the crime now. It's very rough, so just a quick warning. It's horrible, but yeah, it's November 9th, 1971, and John List kills his entire family. There's no other way to oh. say it. So the family was shot one by one very methodically, So, first... So, this was definitely pre-planned. Yes. Yeah. Definitely pre-planned. So, the first person to be killed was Helen, his wife. Okay. So, John List drops his kids off at school. Then he goes back home. And then he goes into the kitchen. He sees Helen drinking her morning coffee like she always does. And she hasn't turned her back or anything. And he shoots her. So, she she didn't even, like, see... Allegedly. I I mean... There are some questions he says, we'll talk about it later, but in his confession letter, he says, like, I'm just glad that no one had to watch me shooting them. But, like, it's clear that not everyone was turned around when they were shot. I mean, also, I will say for Helen, at least she didn't have to watch her kids die, you know? Yeah. I'm happy that she went first. Yeah. If that's not a weird thing to say. No, yeah, I mean, I feel like the worst, I always hear the worst pain He's like a parent losing their child. Yeah. So at least, I don't know. God, it's just so rough. <sighs> so he shoots her as she's just sipping her morning coffee, which mm-hmm. is so sad. It's yeah. like her little ritual. That's just such a normal thing to be in the middle yeah. of doing. So then he went up to the third floor, uh, where's, which is where his mother lives. And then he murders his 84-year-old mother <sighs> while she's in her bed. <sighs> and he also kills her by shooting her. Okay. Uh, then he kills Patricia when she returns home from school. I believe that he went and picked her up from school, drove her home, and then shot her. Then In the house? Yes. Oof. Then he kills his youngest son, Frederick, th- in the same way. Okay. Then he decides he's hungry. He makes himself a sandwich. Oh, God. He, while well, there are four dead bodies in the house, then he closes out his bank accounts. He goes to his son John's soccer game, cheers him on, woohoo, get the goals, whatever. Then he brings his son home and shoots John in the chest. And John, I believe the number was he had like, everyone else, I believe there was just one or, not just. I believe there was one or two. I believe there were one or two bullets um, yeah. used to kill each of them. But John had, I think, something like ten bullets in his chest so he obviously tried to he had like tried to fight back yeah yeah so oh no um. that makes me so sad the fact okay there's two parts right now that are like sickening beyond belief to me the fact that he still had an appetite after killing his family What is that i know that actually makes me sick to my stomach and then the fact that he went and cheered on his son at a soccer game. Yeah, I know. Knowing full well that he's gonna murder him in in an hour or two. I know. I'm like, I, I was it to keep up a peer? I don't. I don't know. It was so weird. That it actually, makes, my it stomach makes is no, unsettled. I know. right now. It makes no sense. So, all five of his family members are dead. He cleans up the crime scene. Not a ton. Like we'll talk about it later. But like, there's smears of blood everywhere and stuff. So, but he <sighs> cleans up a little bit he goes to all the photos in his house and he uses scissors to cut himself out of every photo in the mansion because remember this is like before google this is before you could find anyone's photos super easily so he's like i'm taking my picture away so all they have to go off of is memory oh my god looks like yeah not to that's like smart in I know! The sickest of ways. And it's like, you can obviously tell how premeditated this was. Oh yeah, he had to have been planning this for at least a few weeks. He cancels all his deliveries, and he contacted his children's schools to let their teachers know that the family would be on vacation for a few weeks. To not So to not uh, contact them or anything, they're gonna be away. I actually have a story about this. Oh god, what is so it? So, when I was in middle school, back in like, my little north jersey hometown mm-hmm. we had a new math teacher in like fourth grade i think uh-huh. it was um who actually was one of the teachers that received one of those notes oh my god i'll i'll will never how old th- was your teacher not super old oh, wow. okay so i guess he was like super young yeah maybe he was a yeah when this happened teacher. yeah which well, he didn't look super old yeah i, th- I will still remember Like him talking about this and then one of my other teachers too was I believe featured in a documentary about this case because she knew the kids or had taught the kids something. She had a very close connection and they actually interviewed her about this. Wow, okay. So obviously it's crazy how many people this are like somehow intertwined with the story. It's wild too and the fact that maybe this was where I like kind of got scared of the case even yeah. more because he like who would tell a fourth grade class about this man that killed his well, that yeah. when you were saying blood. that I was gonna say like I honestly don't blame you for being terrified because why like, what was this math teacher doing I don't know even, everyone's fears like, how did what? that even come up either like I, I have no recollection of how that came up but I just remember him being like yeah we got that note oh, and my God. it was like the sickest he, he didn't think anything of it, but like later on, he was like, "Wow," and he's like, "Anyway, here's how you long division." <laughs> That's oh god, it's it's scary. It's it scary. Yes, yeah, it like, personal connections. That's terrifying. Ugh. So he lets the teachers know that they're going to be on vacation for a few weeks. Mm. Then he turns on the lights. He turns on the radio, uh, and he turns to a religious channel, uh-huh. and he turns it all the way up. And then he goes to sleep. I guess, guess he needed to be well-rested. Yeah, well-rested before his long journey ahead, which, remember, he goes to sleep and his five family members are laying dead. He's still in the stupid house? Yes, he's still in the, in the house this entire time. Oh my god. And then the next morning he leaves and he is not to be seen again for 18 years. Wow. So, yeah. So the five bodies are in the mansion for... Actually, almost exactly a month. So, they were killed on November 9th, and authorities finally entered the mansion on December 7th. There are some varying accounts as to, like, how they were finally found. I read one source about how Patricia had, like, a friend who was, like, a 20-year-old man, which I'm like, what is this 20-year-old man hanging out with a 16-year-old for? That might be part of the rebellious. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, but he... I read that he actually broke into the mansion and saw their bodies and then, you know, wanted to tell the police, but he felt like he couldn't because then he'd be the main suspect. And then I also heard that people just, like, neighbors were concerned and, like, asked for a wellness check. But whatever the case was, finally police go in and they discover the bodies. A specific reason that they were getting concerned apparently was because the lights were constantly on in the house and yet no one was home. So... (laughs) Like, you know, they thought even if they're supposed to be away on this vacation, it's weird that the lights are on 24-7. Right. So, eventually the police are called and they discover the bodies. Wait, actually, not to cut you off. No. But I feel like I remember hearing something about how one of the neighbors had noticed that lights were on at all times of the day or night. And then the light bulbs started burning out and no one replaced them. Oh. Yeah, that could... That- Probably is correct. That's isn't that weird though. Like, oh god! Could you imagine being that neighbor and just like having the feeling that something is wrong, and then finding out it's a million times worse than you could ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, the police come, and when they walk into Breeze Knoll, they see a sight that horrified even the most hardened police detectives. I'm sure. Yeah. So, they walk in. They hear organ music being piped through the intercom system, which is literally terrifying. I I'm actually not kidding. I don't ever really get chills. I my whole body is like racked with the feeling that I just yeah, cannot it's like, explain. It's disgusting. It's the whole story. It's <sighs> disgusting. It's horrible. The thermostat is turned all the way down. Mm. Um, and just an interesting side note that really like kind of tells you about his mindset. Apparently, he didn't turn the thermostat down because he wanted to preserve their bodies. He turned it down so that it was something like the city wouldn't have to pay for heat or something because he was like, oh, well, the house is going to get foreclosed on, so I don't want to cost the city any more money when they foreclose on my house. Something ridiculous like that. What a dick. Yeah. So it's freezing in there. And then in the ballroom, which I was talking about before, because we were like, who has a ballroom in their house? (laughs) Uh, That is where the bodies are. So oh. they're in the ballroom by the fireplace. Why is that the creepiest? So possible? that's the creepiest room. That yes, yeah. Of course, like yeah. Of course, it's the ballroom. In the ballroom with the bodies is also a five-page note from John List, uh, where he explains that the people on the floor are his family members. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, which he, whom he killed out of mercy to save their souls. What does that? mean what what it's i personally think it's bs i i also think so but before we get it because we are going to get into the note okay but before we do let me just describe the crime scene a little bit more so uh john list's wife and three teenagers are found laid out on those sleeping bags in the ballroom like i said and their faces are covered by um towels okay and there are bloody drag marks apparently like all over the house because obviously he didn't kill them all in one well not obviously because I actually didn't I assumed he killed them all in the ballroom before I knew the details of the story but he killed them on all different parts of the house and then dragged their bodies into the ballroom and sort of arranged them in like this weird ritualistic looking pat not not pattern so just like a weird formation yes that's so weird so John Jr. and Helen's faces are covered with towels. Some places said that they all their faces were covered with towels, like I just said before, yeah. but other places were saying it was just John Jr. and Helen. Weird. Um, and all of them were still dressed in their winter coat and shoes. Um, like I said, the eldest son, John, had been shot ten times. So obviously there was some sort of struggle. Yeah. Um, and so the four bodies are down there. You might be wondering where Alma is. She's upstairs, dead. And John's reason for not putting her in there was because she was too heavy to carry. That doesn't not that anything about this case sits right with me. Yeah, but like, really? I know. Fuck so you. That's the situation with the crime scene. The note that was left behind. Uh, John addresses it to his pastor, and which is just like so ironic. Like God. to even pretend. Oh. I know. He tells the pastor that he murdered his family so that they could go to heaven. He also apologizes to his reverend, who is named Eugene A. Ray Winkle. And he apologizes for adding to the reverend's workload. Because he's like, I know you're already busy. Sorry to add more issues onto your plate. This guy mm-hmm. is so weird. He's, and when we go into like the warning signs, like you're going to die. He is crazy he's so weird oh my he's god he's like beyond weird i don't even know how to describe him he's on undis- just indescribable you know what he's like kind of giving me btk vibes like yes, a little bit yes he is because he's so into himself and like it's just there there has to be some like narcissism like you were saying yes. he's so aloof because he's thinks, thinks he's, he's better than yeah. everyone else and the world revolves around him like fuck you for apologizing to your pastor for giving him oh, more work sorry there's more work oh for then you then maybe to do. don't murder your family So, also, the letter was not released to the public for, like, 20 years. Until, I believe, his trial. That's when it was first publicized. So, no one actually knew what the letter had said. It was, like, this huge mystery for 20 years. Um, And then, also, in the letter, he blames the murders on his financial difficulties, and he says that he feared that his family would forsake their religion and that they wouldn't go to heaven. But I guess he figured if he killed them now, they would go to heaven. So i'm that logic. so lost well you're gonna get more lost because the, the letter just gets more and more confusing <laughs> he says that he had originally planned to slaughter his family on all saints day because he was like oh it would be quote unquote an appropriate day for them to get to heaven but he decided against it not because like he was having second thoughts or anything but because on that day uh november 1st his travel plans had been delayed So, he switched things around. I am... And it it just shows... I mean, this part is... That is, like, a crucial part of this letter. That might be the most important part of this letter altogether because... It shows premeditation. Yes, and it shows that there's a huge thing that's going to come up in the trial about, like, did he have the ability to think his decision through? And this is the way that they're like, yes, because he had time to reevaluate yeah yeah so that's a huge this is like that's a huge part of this letter. okay basically that's like how he got that that's how they turned like the last person in the jury against him because okay. was like one person holding out <gasps> okay so yeah so that was like the nail in the coffin Oof. and like i said he also talked about his financial struggles he was saying how he couldn't afford the upkeep on the mansion and that they that his options were basically like go bankrupt and go on welfare but then he was scared of how the poverty would affect his children and how they would stray from God's light. Imagine. And he was also worried because his wife refused to attend church, and worst of all, his daughter wanted to become an actress. Yeah. Oh. That was okay. A, all right. So this is yeah, justified, though. Yeah. So yeah, that's like a legit <laughs> reason. You've got to be kidding me. I was like, this on, has dude. to be a joke. We're, we're grasping at straws because, here. Because becoming an actress is what? The devils work? I, I have no idea. Are you kidding me? I know. So Well, I don't, that doesn't even make sense to me. He... I, I don't think that... I personally think... Uh, well, we'll talk about why we actually think he did it. I'm sure it's a mix of many things, but I think that these were all just excuses of him trying to justify it. Yeah, me too. And uh, justify it in his own head. So... Now let's get into the warning signs, because like I said, he's this accountant, oh, he goes to church, all this I'm stuff. I'm so interested to hear yeah. about this. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and now that we have, you know, we know all this stuff about him, and it's been like 50 years, and we've been able to hear from so many people who actually knew him, like, this situation was much worse than it seemed. I okay. mean... Yeah, it seemed like, oh, he was having a couple of financial issues. Like, no, there was a lot of stuff. It was like a ticking time bomb. Okay. I, I understand why probably no one saw it coming. But 50 years later, it's like, yeah, you can Like tell. you said, hindsight. So, I want to start off with a famous story that you honestly probably have. It, it's like, if you've heard the John List case, you've probably heard this story. But basically, okay. when the Lists first moved into Breeze Knoll, A neighbor and his son stopped by the list house and they offered them a home-baked apple pie as a housewarming gift. So cute, so nice, so 60s, 70s of them. Um, And John answers the door. He says something along the lines of, thank you very much for the pie, but we like to keep to ourselves around here. A.K.A. like, go away. Go. Like, F off. (laughs) Yeah, literally. And so the father and his son were like, Hey, and that just kinda like perfectly encapsulates like the way that John he was just such a I don't want to say an introvert. He was so just like That's rude. So he was strange. he was He was more than rude, but just like he was so rude. Like Yeah, yeah. Um he also another this is not necessarily a warning sign, but I thought this was hilarious. He would mow his lawn in his full suit. In a suit That's so I was like, "This weird is I know that- that's so weird." So he weird. was this like, weird dude. Um, he was also known to. This is gonna get. A l- this is getting into the more concerning parts. Yeah, he was known to throw rocks at neighborhood kids who were annoying him. Oh. I don't think that they were boulders, uh-huh. or I don't think he was trying to hurt the kids. But that's not normal. That's okay. not normal. Wait, 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 wait! I understand yelling at kids and chasing them off your property, throwing rocks. How did he not get... report? I mean, I know that this was, like, a different time, but, like... Uh, that's what I think. I honestly think it's because it was a different time, and, like, kids were not as, like, respected, maybe, is the word. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I don't know. No, that's still maybe so it's weird no that's it's, so it's crazy. Weird this one, you're not going to like at all. Oh, no. So, the neighbors owned a donkey. It was actually a really cute story. Like, um, the the neighbors, like, I guess they were a little bit short on money. They had seven kids. So the parents just bought them a donkey for Christmas. They're like, you can all share this. That is so cute. <laughs> they named it Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> like from... Um, oh my God. From, uh, my Fair Lady. Yeah. God, I, I should know that. Um, Yeah, from My Fair Lady. Eliza like, Doolittle, the donkey. Isn't that so funny? So <laughs> The way that when you said that, my first thought was not My Fair Lady. It was <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, I guess it was a common name back then. Either. So... They loved her, it's like they're it's like their family pet. It's like part of the family. But someone didn't like her. Obviously John didn't like her because oh he doesn't like anything fun. When Eliza would escape and go on the list's lawn, he would throw rocks at the freaking donkey. I what? Hate it's this a guy. donkey? What are you doing? Guy. he's horrible. It's like anything that is like even remotely fun or joyful in I life. Hate him. he throws rocks at. I I hate that there's actually like I know. No he's words. horrible. He's he like repulses I me despise him i don't know he's why disgusting. i'm laughing because i'm like actually so horrified i know right but now. i guess like look like, i'll just pick poor, but eliza doolittle was fine like she was okay fine. good i was so concerned for eliza doolittle so yeah he's the uh, a nightmare neighbor a neighbor from hell so another thing i'm not saying this is necessarily like a something that like a contributing factor but i did want to include this his parents were second cousins and second, I mean, I note again, I know huh. times were different, but yeah, no, that's that's a no from me, dog. So he, so his parents were second cousins. He the, the environment that he grew up went grew, grew up in. I feel like a lot of um, famous serial killers, like they always have like this tragic backstory of like yeah, abuse nature versus nurture. He didn't really have a, a bad childhood at all. He. Came from like a rigid, very prideful family where no one showed emotion or weakness or asked for help. So you know that's not ideal, but I think. But that's very typical. Yeah, right. Forties and fifties. Yeah. Um, his dad didn't give him a ton of attention, so his mom Alma, who he ends up killing, as we know, oh. overcompensated, and I think she smothered him a little bit. But oh, I but I mean, come on. then you can't blame Alma for I this. I know. Yeah, I just, she was just doing her best. There are a lot of moms that smother their children. They don't go on to kill their yeah. entire family. So I think it's, uh, yeah, easy to say that yeah. it was obviously no, nature, not nurture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And he was very uh, sheltered. For example, when he joined the army, he was offended by his fellow soldiers' salty language. Like, when they would use inappropriate words, he would be like... <gasps> Dude, like, he was very, like, oh, like, yeah. Everything I hear about this guy... He gets worse and worse and worse. He does. Like, He's so is, cringe. He is cringe. He's so... Everything yeah. about him. So, um... Typical accountant. <laughs> 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 what can I say? That kind of sums it up. I'm just kidding. I love accountants. So, another warning sign was that John Helen... Their relationship was not great. Oh, so, okay. like I said, they got married after not even being together for a year, I believe. Um, so, John was very rigid in his beliefs. You know, he believed that people should wait and be abstinent until they're married. Um, mm-hmm. However, despite that, Helen came to him uh, pretty soon after they had started dating and said that she was pregnant. So,. Sounds like John isn't practicing what well, he's he, preaching. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be an ongoing theme in his life. He, um, so he says, okay, let's get married. He wants to make an honest woman out of her, etc. He wants to raise his baby as a Lutheran. Uh, so they get everything ready for the wedding. And then before the wedding, not too far before the wedding, Helen says, actually, she isn't pregnant. And it's not really what? clear if this was a, um, miscarriage or if she had just made it up. We don't really know maybe it's like a hysterical pregnancy what's that that's when you your body you want a baby so badly that your body convinces you okay. that you're pregnant have you ever seen glee um i know that someone gets like thinks they're pregnant it's like the main teacher's wife like fakes that she's oh, pregnant like it's Schuster? yeah it starts okay, okay. off as like a hysterical pregnancy that she like keeps it going <laughs> oh no i haven't that's no it's, this... it's so messed up that storyline so this so this could, yeah, whatever this is, we don't we don't know if she was actually pregnant, if she wasn't or what. Okay. Um, but she goes to him before the wedding. She says, hey, I'm actually not pregnant. And then, of course, John List in his memoir. Because, of course, he wrote a memoir. No way. Because he's a narcissist. I, no, I can't stand him. He says that she basically tricked him into marrying her. And he kind of insinuates that everything that occurs after they got married like, is her own fault. Because she tricked him into marrying her. I am disgusted. Continue. So another thing, another element of Helen and John's marriage that caused a lot of tension was, like I said, Helen had a husband before John, and his name was Marvin. He was killed in Korea. Oh, Marvin. And she loved him. She thought he was, like, the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, It seems like she never really got over him. A lot of people close to the family said like she never really fully got over his death that makes me sad yeah um this part is a little weird though she kept a photo of marvin in the bedroom like Mm. with her husband i mean yeah see i could i can i can kind of see both sides here because i can see where she would want a picture of him to keep around but i can also see where john May have taken offense to that. Yeah. Well, also, this might sway you a little more. She, uh, Helen, belittled John all the time. She always said he'd never be half the man her first husband was. Like, it was clear that she Uh, still favored her first husband. She would always favor her first husband. Not an excuse to murder someone, but obviously, this was going on in the background. Yeah, that's just, it's just adding to the pressure cooker. So, this is, I think, one of the biggest. Two two things the last two kind of elements that I think added to the murders um, two of the contributing factors I should say one is that John found out shortly before killing his family so you know how Helen was sickly yeah and like bedridden he found out before he ki- like shortly before killing them that Helen had syphilis which she con- contracted from her first husband oh and she had hidden the disease for years. From doctors and from her family no one else in the family got got syphilis because apparently it's not contagious until like way later so like when she had her kids, she didn't pass it on to her kids and she didn't pass it on to john but she had kept it a secret and that's why she was Ooh, so that's sick. Not cool and it's really sad because i'm i'm there's definitely i'm sure there's a cure for syphilis right yeah I, in this day I, age, i don't know i think, even, know, back, I think yeah. even back then there probably was but she didn't tell anyone so that Like, I mean, obviously she ended up getting murdered, but she was not doing well towards the end with the syphilis, yeah. So you can see where that would be a huge shock and, like, a feeling, especially for this devout Christian man. Oh, yeah. His wife has a venereal disease, like, yeah. And then the final contributing factor, which I honestly think is the biggest one, is okay, so let's think back to a little bit ago, where I was talking about all the different jobs he had and how they kept moving around, right? You're like, right. oh, like, he's very successful, he's working at Xerox, he's Business working, yeah, Savvy. and stuff. The reason that he was switching jobs so often, it's not because he was, like, getting raises and stuff. He could not hold down a job. He was getting fired, like, constantly. Doesn't surprise me. It if, doesn't, If yeah. no one likes you in the office, then it's only yeah. a matter of time. He had, he, none of his coworkers liked him. He couldn't apparently keep up with, like, the pace of work and so he would get fired. And... This last job, which was in um, New Jersey somewhere, right? Like when they lived in Westfield, Jersey City, right? Yeah, in Jersey. Yes, thank you, in Jersey City. He had lost that job after they had moved into Breeze Knoll. Um, he didn't want to tell anyone, so rather than like you know going to find another job or even like working some other job, even if he thought it was like beneath him, instead of well, doing he's that, not going to do that. No. So instead, he puts on his suit every morning says bye to everyone he goes to the train station you know as if to board the train right and then sits at the train station all day and reads the paper just kind of hangs out uh, <laughs> so instead of going to find another job and trying to like, you know get himself out of out of this rut he just sits there and does he's nothing. so pathetic so yeah it's like i'm like how can you even feel bad for him like he's not even putting in any effort to like better himself. Doing that is one thing, but then, like, using financial hardships that could have been very easily solved to kill your family? Yes. Come on, man. I think this is probably I personally think this is the main reason why he killed them. I don't think it was because of religion, because he cared about their souls. I don't think it was because he was scared that they were, um, like, not going to church and becoming actresses and stuff. I think it was because he found himself in this, like, place where he was like, okay, I'm like, Middle aged, he has no job, he can't afford his house, his family's falling apart. He's like, I'm gonna start over. I honestly think he wanted to start I over. I think you're completely right. And this was his way, this was the only way in his like rigid, tiny mind that he could possibly fathom being able to start over because he thought to himself, like, I can't, I can't leave. Yeah, them. wipe the slate clean. Yeah, literally, wipe the slate clean. I think I really do think that's why he did it. Ew, and I think that all the other reasons are just him trying to come up with reasons that will sound less bad. <laughs> I <I'm> know <laughs> they don't appalled. sound less bad. Yeah. So the bodies are found, you know, this is a huge story for years and years and years, almost two decades. And then in May, 1989, uh, there's a new television program called America's most wanted. I love that show. So you're going to love it a lot more after you hear this. So the detectives working on the case Finally, convince the producers of America's Most Wanted to do a segment on John List, okay. even though they think you know there's no leads. This has been a complete cold case. They have no idea where he is, and they haven't known for, for what 18 now years. 18 years. He That's could be dead. Crazy. He could. They they were pretty sure he was in a different country. Oh wow! But they just decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna feature it. We're gonna tell the story. Um, they feature an age-progressed clay bust which was sculpted by a forensic artist named frank bender so they have like one or two like old reference pictures of list because remember he cut himself out of all those pictures oh yeah but they do have a couple pictures of him and they're like okay well this is 20 years later what will he look like as you know a man 20 years older than this photo and um the artist frank bender sculpts it and it ends up being like super accurate. Part of the case that I remember being so interesting is when they aired the episode on John List on America's Most Wanted they brought in an FBI profiler and the FBI profiler was able to narrow it down for people. They predicted that he would be working in an accounting job. Check. They nailed his personality. Okay. And the freakiest or I, I guess not freakiest but like the coolest part about it is they predicted the exact glasses frames that he would be wearing, and when they arrested him, he was wearing that exact make and model of That is insane. That is absurd. Is that not crazy? Wow. It's, it is, it's crazy that they were able to get it down to the glasses. That is insane. That is wild, isn't it? We'll have to put a side-by-side on the Insta. Yes, we will. Okay. We definitely have to. So then... On June first, nineteen eighty nine. Oh, that's like, my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, again Amy. <laughs> so, less than two weeks after the broadcast, like it's been, it hasn't even been a month. List is arrested. Wow. So, it's actually really cool. So, first of all, he is you know at his accounting job because he got an accounting job. He laid low for a while and did other jobs, but he eventually goes back to accounting. List is arrested at a Richmond accounting firm where he worked. All these agents are, like, coming towards him, arresting him. It's definitely, like, a mo. It's, like, that had to have felt so good after, like, two decades. Oh, yeah. So the person who ended up figuring out that Robert Clark, who, which was the alias he was going by, was actually John List, was um, a former neighbor from Denver. I guess when he lived in Denver, because he lived in Denver, Colorado, for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So um, they had been watching the... America's Most Wanted segment, and they recognized him. Oh my god. And and they recognized him as Robert Clark. So like they had known him as Robert, not as John, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. So he is arrested. He... List stands by his alias for a while. He says, no, like, I'm Robert Clark. I really am Robert Clark. I don't know who John List is. By the way, he's married. He has an, a wife. A new wife? Mm-hmm. And she apparently had the absolutely no idea which i actually do believe that she had no oh, idea. oh i believe that i he, would believe that uh, she just feet, like didn't yeah. ask questions i guess she didn't really think about the fact that it was weird he didn't have family she wasn't gonna ask but apparently he was like very sweet to his wife which is like so weird that I is don't understand so weird like, i'm glad that's he was. definitely an indicator i feel like of him wanting a fresh start yes exactly it's like to try again he had that toxic relationship with his other wife, and he was like... I need to start over. Yeah. Find someone else. Let's like, find a good relationship now. Um, so he goes, and he is obviously tried for all five murders, and he is convicted. Like I said, that part, that line in the, in the note, the confession note that was saying... Because, I mean, everyone knew he did it. It wasn't like a whodunit. The question yeah. was was he in his right mind and was, and he had a a disorder called obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is not the same as obsessive compulsive disorder, but he, it makes you like super rigid. Like you have to follow rules. Once you have an idea in your head, you have to do it. That's, it's a very, very simplified version of what OCPD is. And so they were saying with this mental disorder, is it his fault because once he had the idea, he couldn't stop. So is it his fault? And that line in the note that was saying, oh, I was going to do it on this day, but then my my travel plans changed, so I did it on this day. They were saying, obviously, he, he was able to switch plans around. Yeah. Because if his travel plans changed, he could have easily said, I'm actually not going to do this. But yeah. he chose to do it. So got that it. was what ended up flipping the case. And he okay. luckily got five consecutive life sentences. Um and he then died in jail in like 2008 but hmm. you know i'm glad he's gone westfield will like never be i don't think it'll ever be like the picturesque town ever again absolutely not i mean it's the, the watcher house is one thing cuz it is super spooky I, it that's something that will keep me up at night this is something that will haunt me for the rest of yes, my life yes this is the probably the most disturbing like true one of the most disturbing true crime cases I've ever heard is Me too. It's like all it hands down, it's like so scary. all the fears like of like it's the you know, you're supposed to trust your parents, like they're yeah. supposed to keep you safe. The ones closest to you are yeah. turning on you, yeah. Or like even something like you don't really you don't know who your neighbor is, it brings up like this fear of like even when you're in the suburbs and like in this safe place, like you're not really safe. Yep. You never really know someone. That is why when people mention that Westfield has such a weird vibe to it it is not inconceivable at all that some energy of this John List murder is still kind of like hanging over Westfield absolutely I think that this place while maybe it doesn't have like ghosty tourist attractions yeah you're not gonna haunted, find a ghost tour there it's haunted in a way that like like you said like you'll be haunted by this for it the rest like, of your, runs, life through this town. It sticks with you and like once you hear it, you'll never forget it. No. And there I, are details of this case that I remember reading about when I was like eight years old. It's it's terrifying. That's, I, like this is the most, in a way, like I think Westfield is the most haunted place that we've covered so far. I agree because you're not going to find like spectral apparitions. Yeah. But the energy is just, it's just bad yeah. energy there. Like I think I would rather visit any, I think I'd rather, like, stay in the Pine Barrens at night. And I gotta say, though, but as someone who grew up, like, around the Westfield area, it like, it's it's it doesn't seem like that until you're driving by that, you know... Well, actually, yes. another part of the story... Yes, a huge part, I know, that now that you're saying it, I'm like, oops. <laughs> ...is Breeze Knoll burned down two Only years c- after the murders. Yeah, oh. Actually, it's, it says nine months after the murders oh nine months in august 1972 it says oh interesting um wait but that also okay yeah so and apparently it was ruled arson do you think it was anything like nefarious i think it was just kids like i i don't think so like, they are like, trying to summon a ghost or like trying to some maybe like lighting. a seance gone wrong exactly that's yeah. what i feel like maybe it is right yeah they said that it could have been like like witchcrafter, or, or okay. like, devil worshippers. Okay. Well, it was, like, the 70s, yeah. Yeah. Santonic panic. But, I, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, there was also... Okay, this is one quick little thing, because when you said that about the um, fire, it reminded me. So, obviously, the house was, like, basically destroyed. Something that was destroyed in the fire, specifically, was this stained glass skylight, which was, ru- which was rumored to be a Tiffany original. And it was also rumored to be... Worth at least a hundred thousand dollars at the time, which would be like six hundred fifty thousand dollars today. Oh, holy! So cow. people were like using this to debunk, like obviously he could have just sold the skylight and been fine. Imagine. But when I was listening to the Father Wants Us Dead podcast, they kind of like debunked it, and they were able to see like there was no way of telling if it really was a, like a true Tiffany original, and even if it was, like it wasn't going to be worth a hundred thousand. Okay. So, But I just thought that was so interesting because that, that was a rumor for a while. It's like he could have sold this one thing and been fine. That's but, wild. Um, but a new house was built on the site in And apparently there's no rumors of hauntings there. Or at least there's nothing that's been made public. Yeah, yeah. maybe they don't want to... I mean, I guess... I like, still kind of think that... The fact that they call him the boogeyman of Westfield Yes makes me think that Kids are scared of him. He's like the boogeyman. Like n- it makes me think that he still has a hold of on Westfield in one way or another. Yes, exactly. Whether it's yeah, by spirit like by being a spirit hanging around there or just by freaking everyone out. There's to just this an day. energy. There's there is literally just an energy. And uh, not to keep bringing up our listener interview, but they said when they drive past the place where the murders took place, and I've have driven past it too. Yeah, you get a weird feeling. It's just it's oh, like God, it's so scary. I and hearing the details about this case, like I always knew that I didn't like John List since the moment I read about him. Like, how can you like a serial yeah. killer? But or I well, how can you like a murderer? You know. Yeah. But he is everything about horrible. Despicable. There is not one redeeming quality. No. Not one. Not one. He's I, I horrible. don't like him. He's disgusting. And unfortunately, that is why Westfield is such, like, a haunted, spooky place. Yeah. Despite it being a beautiful place. It's creepy. The Watcher just adds a whole other layer to it, but... makes you wonder if the Watcher was, like... I don't want to say possessed, because that brings on, like... A whole up... Yeah, but, like... like, Inspired. Yeah, by these evil doings. I sound like I'm from the evil (laughs) doings. But... Of of John List, I don't know. It, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll. I guess we'll probably never know. I know. But Westfield is without a doubt. There's some some weird goings on there. It's a haunt for sure. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> kind of a an interesting topic for our first two part episode. Yeah. I'm right. Glad that we yeah. covered Westfield because that was actually recommended to us by not one but two listeners. Okay. Yeah. So so and I've got the personal connection there and. It's very interesting. It ended up being really cool. I really like doing the two-parter. I do, too. So. We'll have to do more in the future. Yes, we We've got have. a couple of ideas coming up Ruined. for you guys for bigger episodes in the future. So stay tuned for that. That pretty much, I think, wraps up part yeah. two of Westfield. We but hope you guys enjoyed it. Absolutely. And we will be out with another episode shortly. And I think you guys are really going to like this one. Oh, yeah. This is something that has interested me for a really long time, and it's some place that you definitely yes. would not think of being haunted, and you've definitely heard of it. Yes. I, I mean, think that's no more hints. Yeah. No, that's that's good. <laughs> that's all you're going to get. That's good for now, but it, it'll be dropping later on this week, so you don't have to wait too long. Yay! But until next time, keep she following our Instagram. Keep leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever you guys listen. Any reviews that you can leave are super, super helpful. Even if they're negative. Yeah. We want to know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. So if you have any suggestions, we also have a form that you can fill out on the bottom of our website, which um, you can find in our Instagram bio. Everything is in our Instagram bio. Yep. When in doubt, check the Instagram bio. When in doubt, check the Instagram bio. Check our website. Um... Thank you for all of our Patreons who have started donating. (gasps) We're going to start shouting out your names soon if you're in one of our two tiers. But thank you so much again. And we will talk to you guys later this week. Bye.